Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 6.45, quarter till 7, Lundy Craw. All kinds of activities going on all day long. You can find out more at If you head out to Waldenburg Park, we're going to have Rex, His Majesty, King of Carnival, in studio with his queen at 9 o'clock. And the weather's going to be nice and spring-like. Cold weather's gone for the time being. Highs of 76 today, a little bit of humidity, but that's okay after a foggy start. Springfield tomorrow, highs of 80 for Mardi Gras. One of the warmer Mardi Gras on record, but not the warmest. And then Ash Wednesday, warm, breezy, highs of 82. It's going to be warm and spring-like, really, at least through Sunday, with highs near the 80 mark, maybe even a little bit higher. It is Lundy Gras here the day before Mardi Gras. Otherwise, otherwise in other places of the country, it's, country rather, it's President's Day. And Alexis Co joins us right now, presidential historian, New York Times bestselling author of You Never Forget Your First, now out in paperback. How are you, Alexis? I'm good. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me on this important day. It Well, in which way? It's President's Day. Oh, I which, thought you meant um, Lundy Gras, the day before Mardi Gras. No. I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, I, look, George Washington loved a Southern tour, and he certainly was very happy to see the locals celebrate. But this is a national day to recognize something really important, which is the electorate. Um, you know, direct relationship with our highest executive. And, and you are right. Have you ever been here for Mardi Gras? I'm just curious. No, I haven't. I really want to come. Well, put it on a bucket list. I'll show you around. I will. Just call us and we'll make the arrangements, okay? I would love it. We're not paying for anything, but I will show you around. All right. So right, Alexis... right, right. I'd like it in writing. <laughs> yes. Uh, how do you even go about determining who the best president is? What's the criteria? So this is interesting because I think people um, might see presidential historians who don't necessarily look like me in their mind, you know, sort of older, avuncular figures, maybe with, you know, salt and pepper hair who sit around thinking big thoughts. And that's actually not how it how it goes. We get a list from C-SPAN of of different ways to rank presidents you know, charisma, their ability to communicate with Congress. And we go from there. Um, And it's not always who you want to come ahead, but you have to really look at presidents somberly. Um, It's harder, though, if they've, you know, they're living or or they just have recently died. Time really benefits us in every single way. Uh, As a matter of fact, President Carter and hospice, at the time, not thought of as a, a great president. Has anything changed in the time since? I know he did a lot of volunteer work with Habitat for Humanity, at some point stepped in to do a little bit of diplomatic duty in his post-presidential career. Has time changed the way he's viewed at all? I think it will. I think in particular there have been um, 
I don't want to say a state of biographies, but there have been a couple biographies lately, whereas he didn't really have them. And the best one among them is by Jonathan Alter, and it has this Warhol cover of Carter, which reminds us immediately that he was once cool. There was a time in which Carter was um, the most exciting person out there. But I think what you are getting at is really important here. We could adjudicate four years of his life, or we can look at someone who has had the longest post-presidential career of any president president, any modern president, and who has done incredible feats. We, we know him for Habitat, Habitat for Humanity, but we don't necessarily know him for his um, for the Carter Center, where he has done amazing things like eradicate 99.9% of guinea worms in the world and oversee, I think, over 120 elections. You know, he has made humanitarianism the cornerstone of his life in Plains, Georgia, where he moved back to his hometown, the only modern president to do so. Washington did it, of course. Alexis, hang on one second. Did you say guinea did you say guinea worms? Guinea worms, yeah. What is that? Tell people what that is. So guinea worms get in the drinking water in, you know, countries in Africa and can very easily fell people, can cause death, can make um, people incredibly sick and unable to work. It's one of these you know, clean drinking water is essential to life. It's one of, it, you know, we should consider it a basic human right. And by eradicating guinea worms, um, Carter has greatly improved the quality of life in certain countries, like the material reality of it, the mortality rates. It's it's substantial. And I'm not making light of it at all. The point I'm making is during the hurricane season here when the power goes out, we have trouble with lift stations and that moves sewage. And I always thought that that was a perfect um, uh, metaphor for government, if you will, because you got to be working in a background to make sure that things work and the things that affect people most are the things on their own micro level, like a sewage lift station, not maybe a big world peace accord that is on, on the front page of the paper. And it's the same thing with guinea worms. I didn't know anything about it, but I guarantee that affected more people's lives than something else that would be a lot more sexier and be on the headlines uh, in the headlines of the paper, right? I think that's such an astute observation. I think that we need to consider all the time, what do we want from our leaders? And what we want from our leaders is an understanding of what it's like to be an American, a real American. And when I say real American, of course, it's a little bit risky, but I do mean someone who is felled by events outside of their control and needs to look to the executive to help them. And one of those events, of course, is a natural disaster. You want someone who cares about clean drinking water. Mm-hmm. Let me take a break. We'll pick it up here. we come back. I'll go run through the top five presidents, okay? Can we? Okay, I'm ready. Alexis Coe, presidential historian and New York Times bestselling author of You Never Forget Your First Now Out in Paperback. Alexis, you can't go wrong because you're providing the list. 651 Traffic Now, WWL. All right, 6.56 and a half. Tommy Tucker, WWO, quickly back to Alexis Coe, residential historian, New York Times bestselling author of You Never Forget Your First, now out in paperback, a biography of George Washington. Alexis, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I award a WWO 100th anniversary mug because we've been around for 100 years to people who improve the vocabulary of the audience. And if we have any left, you've you've won a, a mug for the use of the word avuncular. So hang on. After we finish, Tim will get you shipping address and we'll send you one, all right? Tell me about the top five presidents. So you want me to name my my top five presidents? However, Um, we got to rate them somehow. 
Okay, well, obviously, I have to rate Washington first. George Washington, the founding founding father of them all, the, the subject of my biography, because he created so many precedents, but more than anything, his relationship with power. He gave up power time and time again, and he had the ability to be satisfied. He was no saint. He owned over, you know, 123 people, hundreds of people within his lifetime. And um, he is, though, I think without you, I always say you can't, if you cancel George Washington, you cancel America. So it's simply impossible. Better to deal with the complexities. You know what? You Um, you come back and talk about the other four. I want to talk about George Washington some more if we can. Okay. Yes, of course. Being the first, being the first president, it was important that he um, limit his power and that he tread very lightly as it relates to power, right? Yes, absolutely. And he had already proven that this was true to everyone's shock. I mean, this is what really put him on the map. Besides, you know, winning a war, he fought for eight years. It was not quick, the American Revolution. Um, and, you know, against all odds, they had the most powerful, the British had the most powerful Navy in the world, and we had, like, some boats. Um, and he had given up power after the Revolution. King George, the, you know, the British who we had uh, evicted, said, if he does that, he's the greatest man who ever lived. And he did it in this world of dictators and despots and kings. So that when it came time to create the Constitution, because the Articles of the Confederation were just not working in the real world, everyone said, Washington, you've got to come and preside over the Constitutional Convention. And Martha wasn't having it at this point. She is done with public life. So she thinks... And Washington goes and, you know, he just sits silently for the most part because that's the uh, that's the power of his presence. But by the time he leaves, everyone, including people who will become his bitter enemies like Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, they all say, you're the only guy for the job. Every Everyone else will ruin this great thing that we have founded and fought for. Alexis, we and, are we, we are about out yeah. of time, but I hope you come back, will you? Because I love talking to you. Yes. And, and thank God I'm not a friend of yours because I would talk to you eight hours about this stuff. Alexis oh, well, Coe, presidential historian, New York Times bestselling author of You Never Forget, now out in paperback. We'll talk about the No Latoya campaign when we come back. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.